Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, and welcome to the Tiny Vampires Podcast. This is episode two, titled Mosquito Eradication and Their Role in the Environment. I'm Raven Forrest Fruscalzo, your host. First off, Happy New Year and thank you for joining me. My apologies for not getting the December episode out until the beginning of January. There was a big rush of holiday podcast episodes in December, and I just didn't get things out by the earlier December deadline. Now that 2016 has come to a close, we can take a look at it as a whole. A lot of people found it to be a pretty bad year. If you are looking for a different perspective than the wars, terrorism, and celebrity deaths, check out my blog post at uh, tinyvampires.com. It is a year in review from a science and health perspective. It covers everything from the discovery of the longest-lived vertebrate to the eradication of malaria in Sri Lanka. It is an interesting yet bite-sized look back at the year. Now that the housekeeping is out of the way, let's get into today's question, which was sent in by Adam Musa via the Tiny Vampires Facebook page. It's a little different because it's really more of a hypothetical sort of question. He asks, I've read that the mosquito could be completely eradicated and it would have no ill effect on the ecosystem. Is this actually true? And if not, what is their role? In other words, if we killed every mosquito on the planet, would there be serious negative consequences? I'm going to set aside the ethical question that is pretty glaring here, because many scientists have a real ethical problem with forcing extinction on any species, but especially an entire family of insects that by themselves do not directly cause disease, but are hijacked by the pathogen they carry. Instead, we're looking at this from a purely ecological lens, because that's what Adam was asking about. There are thousands of thousands of mosquito species, but only a few bite people. Also, not all the ones that bite carry disease to us or domestic animals. I'll start with the second part of the question first to give some background information. What are some of the services mosquitoes provide in their ecosystem? As far as we know right now, mosquitoes' most important service is as prey for other animals. 
as water filters, as pollinators, as a force of nature, and as transmitters of disease. One of the biggest concerns people voice when discussing the eradication of mosquitoes is their status as a plentiful and easily caught prey item. Not only are the adults an important food source for birds, bats, and other insects, but there are entire species of fish that are specialized in eating the larvae of mosquitoes. The loss or reduction of these species has a strong possibility of dominoing into other species. Projecting how these dominoes would fall would be a complicated and time-consuming task. Larval mosquitoes work as filtration systems in the water bodies in which they live. They filter feed, and when there are many of them, which there often are, this cleaning can be substantial. The presence of mosquito larvae can change the diversity of other species in the water because of this cleaning. Adult mosquitoes feed on plants more than anything else. In the process of flying from flower to flower, they transfer pollen, fertilizing the plants. Although there is some contention exactly how much pollination is happening versus the theft of nectar with no benefit to the plant. As a force of nature, mosquito adults are impressive. One of the largest and the longest migrations on Earth happens every year, partly because of the hordes of mosquitoes in the Arctic. Caribou are suffocated by so many mosquitoes that they alter their migration route to get away from them. It's very difficult to say how this migration would be impacted if there were no mosquitoes. Humans aren't the only animals to which mosquitoes transmit disease. Many wild animals are infected with disease, allowing their populations to be kept in check partly by mosquitoes. The paper I have chosen for this episode gives us a glimpse at just one of the ways mosquito eradication could impact just one ecosystem. The paper is from 2010 and is called Red Flag for Green Spray, Adverse Trophic Effects of BTI on Breeding Birds. It is by Bridget Poulin et al. A trophic effect is this domino effect, where the presence of, or in this case, the absence of, one organism has an effect on another organism. BTI is a bacterial control method that is used to kill mosquito larvae. It is considered to be environmentally friendly because this bacteria does very little damage to other aquatic insects, vertebrates like humans and fish, or even plants. This treatment, which is applied by spraying out of an aircraft, is typically expected to reduce the mosquito population by 90%. The same reduction expected when using uh, some of these new genetic techniques. Multiple swaths of land in a wetland area in France were chosen to either be treated with this insecticidal bacteria or left alone to be compared to this later. The authors wanted to know how this drastic reduction in mosquitoes would impact a predator they knew fed on mosquitoes. So they focused on the house martin, which is a small bird. These birds stay within 1,300 feet of their nests when foraging for insects to feed themselves and their chicks. The birds feed on mosquitoes, but they prefer to feed on the predators of mosquitoes, 
like dragonflies and spiders. The researchers needed to be able to compare the diets of the birds in these two different areas and see how the areas changed over time. To do this, they collected fecal samples from below the birds' nests and picked the samples apart to look for insect heads. They did this in both sites for a year before spraying began, and then all through as they sprayed from 2007 to 2009. To calculate how often the parents were going out to look for food for the chicks, the researchers sat and observed the bird colonies and counted how often the parents left and how often they came back with food. The nests were monitored to keep count of the number of eggs the adults laid, how many hatchlings they had, and how many hatchlings actually survived to leave the nest. In the area sprayed with the bacteria, as expected, the number of birds feeding on mosquitoes was much lower, but so was their level of larger prey, like dragonflies and spiders. These birds were instead spending more time foraging to collect flying ants for their young. At the end of the breeding season, the number of chicks that survived long enough to leave the nest was much lower for these ant-feeding parents than in the areas where there was no spraying and the adults could feed their chicks mosquitoes, dragonflies, and spiders. Although the bacteria on their own did not affect the number of dragonflies, spiders, house martens, or flying ants in these regions, they did indirectly by lowering the number of mosquitoes. They were dominoes falling in a line. And while we did watch this change happen in this area, there were many other organisms that the researchers were not logging. Many more species of birds, fish, amphibians, plants that may or may not have been impacted by the absence. Often in movies like Jurassic Park, biologists lament that they've spent so much time focusing on if the thing could be done that they didn't stop to ask if it should be done. In the case of mosquito eradication, it's safe to say that this is not the case. For years, the implications and benefits have been debated with evidence like this paper that we just went over stacking up on both sides. To simplify things, I have broken it down into camps, although it's really more like a spectrum. While some feel that the damage done to ecosystems, like the house martens, is a price worth paying considering the number of human lives saved, and they feel that all the ecosystem services provided by mosquitoes, which I mentioned earlier, would eventually be filled by other species. Other ecologists are cautious and feel that eradication is something that we might regret for unseen reasons, but will then not be able to undo once it's done. Let's go over a few pros and cons of each camp. The most hardline people have no problem wiping out all mosquito species. The pro of this tactic is that the pests would be gone, and likely their diseases with them. Also, there would be no need to continue current chemical or biological control methods, which have an environmental impact of their own. The cons are that most vector biologists agree this would be a long and difficult, if not nearly impossible, prospect given our current level of technology and insecticides. Also, this would likely have the most extreme environmental impact with the most collateral damage. The slightly less extreme among us 
would rather focus on either the 100 or so species that bite humans, or the 50 or so that transmit diseases to humans. The pros compared to the most hardline are that it would take a lot less time in both method development and implementation. The con is that there's still an environmental impact, and there are mosquitoes left in the world that might fill the disease transmission hole just as we expect that the other ecological holes will be filled. Some people that study mosquitoes feel that we should only force the extinction of the two most important disease vectors, Anopheles gambiae, which transmits malaria, and Aedes aegypti, which, as we learned from episode 1, carries Zika, dengue, yellow fever, and chikungunya. The positive aspects of this tactic are that these two have a distinct preference for feeding on humans and are responsible for most of the mosquito-related deaths in the world. They would have a minimal impact on wildlife disease cycling because they rarely feed on animals other than humans. The big negative is that these two are not the only mosquitoes that transmit these diseases, which would be a big victory against them, but would not be a knockout punch on its own. Finally, there is the tactic of controlling mosquito populations but not attempting to wipe them off the map, which is what we're currently doing. In the pro column, there is the fact that we could focus our research time and dollars on the pathogen which actually makes people sick and not its vector. The cons are the millions that are currently dying of mosquito-borne diseases and the threat of emerging diseases like Zika. Also, the current control methods as we saw with the bacterial control used in our paper, have an environmental impact of their own. Ultimately, it's not up to the experts. It's not up to biologists like me. In most countries, it's up to the public to choose their leadership that will make these decisions for us. A perfect example of this is the recent vote in the Florida Keys in the U.S. A biotech company sought to release genetically modified mosquitoes on an island in an attempt to keep Zika at bay and find out more information about the effectiveness of this technique in wiping out an entire population of mosquitoes. Fears over the possibility of being bitten by a GM mosquito led the islanders to vote against the release, but Monroe County, in which the island sits as a whole, voted to go ahead with the release. This means the effort will be moved to another location pending federal approval. If you are one of the voters in the Florida Keys, you already know that the question of mosquito eradication is not just a thought experiment. It is unlikely to stop in Florida. Voters all along the Gulf Coast are going to have to start thinking about the eradication of Aedes aegypti as a reality as well. Which leads directly into our question of the day for the last week of January. It was sent in by Matt Rittenhouse via the Tiny Vampires Facebook page. It is a three-part question. What did the biotech company Oxitec modify in these mosquitoes? If they are modifying a gene that is lethal to mosquito offspring and a gene that makes them fluorescent, could the wild female mosquitoes adapt to identifying the GM mosquitoes and avoid mating with them. How do mosquitoes even choose their mates? 
This is a lot, so I'm going to break the question into two episodes. For January, I'll discuss the genetic modifications, and in February, I'll discuss how mosquitoes find their mates. So if you would like to know more about mosquito eradication, or if GMOs give you a queasy feeling and you'd like to know more about them, be sure to subscribe or to check iTunes or Stitcher on the last Tuesday of January. I hope that you found and continue to find this podcast informative. Please visit my blog, tinyvampires.com, to see videos, citations of all the papers I used for this episode, show notes, music credits, and more. Also, please rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. If you have any arthropod or disease questions, you would like to be the question of the day. Or if you have corrections, please send them to h-f-o-r-r-e-s, and the number one, at nd, like Notre Dame, dot edu, or post them on the Tiny Vampires Facebook page. Thank you for listening. From me, Raven Forrest Friscalzo, PhD student at the University of Notre Dame, member of the Social Responsibilities of Researchers program, and funded by the National Science Foundation. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 